What is going on, everybody? Thanks, Travis Scott, with his latest single leading us into our show tonight. Uh, we got the Lunch Table Podcast. Your boy, Tyler Brewster, here with my guy, Bobby Mitchell. We here, ready to talk some sports again. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, my man. How you doing down there? I can't complain. You know, I had a pretty pretty uh, rough week uh, last week being busy and stuff, and uh, it was nice to have a couple days off. To get ready for another tough week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel you on that. I think we're all going to have one of them upcoming weeks of stress. So hopefully uh, hopefully for both of us it will go smooth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, before we get into our main, uh, you know, discussions here today, you know, I seen you in person earlier today, and I just – I can't let you get away with something that you told me. And, uh, you know – we we both play fantasy football, and I know you started a uh, <laughs> you started a league uh, that was different than the one me and you were going to join in later. Uh, uh-huh. But you you told me that you uh, drafted somebody uh, in the top five. Would you like to tell everybody who that was? Yes, I drafted the best player in the National <laughs> Football League at number four, ladies and gentlemen. Of the disrespect from I drafted Patrick Mahomes with my fourth pick because. That's the best player in the NFL, and if he's sitting there at fourth, buddy, I'm gonna take him. Uh, you know, I, I can see, I can see everything you're saying to a point, but you know, a lot of people and that play fantasy football. If you're listening, you you know this. One of the golden rules to fantasy football is do not overdraft a quarterback. But this is Patrick Mahomes, buddy. <laughs> it, this man's gonna give me forty every week. And it's not even going to be funny for the teams that I'm playing. <laughs> we'll see. You know, I just I just wanted to put that out there for everybody to know because when we do our draft, uh, what what'd you say? Is it next Tuesday? This Tuesday? Well, I don't know. Whatever day you said it was uh, yeah, coming up soon. Very, you just very can't break weird the rules, buddy. I understand that you like to draft your running backs first, buddy. <laughs> but if I've got a the, – the blasphemy just of not – drafting Patrick Mahomes at fourth, it's just like Chick-fil-A was just laying in my lap and I just had to pick it up, buddy. I just had to do it. It's like Chick-fil-A was sitting in your lap and you turned and ate, you know, a bite of Zaxby's, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't pass up the golden opportunity of the guy that puts ketchup on his macaroni and cheese. You just cannot <laughs> you cannot go well, against that, buddy. You know, that that's in a league that me and you aren't playing together in, so you'll have to let me know how that pick works out for you. It, but you know it's all we'll right, brother. See. We'll just see. But uh tonight's main topic, uh we we obviously uh this weekend was the final regular season race in the NASCAR Cup series. A lot of storylines came from that, a lot of excitement and a lot to talk about actually leading into our uh, playoffs that start this weekend. But uh, before we get started, I've got three headlines that we can touch on here. And the first headline I got for you is the breaking news from the NFL that actually just broke on my phone this morning, and that was Leonard Fournette, running back of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, has been waived, and he is now available for pickup from any team in the NFL. So what did you think about the Jaguars cutting their former first-round pick? Uh, Buddy, if you want me to be honest with you, I'm not even really – Honestly, surprised because before we jumped on here, we both hit nails on the head. You referenced too; he looked basically looks fat and kind of slow anymore. And I agree with you. And to me, buddy, he's been a lot of just drama on the field and also off the field because what he's been in so many 
fights on the field. He had contract mm-hmm. negotiation fights. I'm pretty sure outside of football, he had charges against him. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I mean, what can you do, especially when you're Jacksonville and you're begging people to come get this guy? And nobody even offered like a first round, a second round, a third round, buddy, not even a seventh round or one of them complimentary picks that you get now. <laughs> nobody wanted this man. Just I want you to think about that. If you are just Leonard Fournette and you're just like, wow, nobody even wanted me for a seventh round pick. When I'm like you, buddy, this guy in college was a beast. And yeah, his, absolutely. His first year at Jacksonville, he was a freaking beast. The year that they went and played uh, New England in the AFC Championship, they, he was a beast. Mm-hmm. And it's just like ever since then, buddy, he has just fallen off so bad. And maybe some – I mean, I can imagine he'll go to a team that will utilize him and maybe he can get in football shape and maybe kind of get his mindset of, you know, I need to stick to football and not have all these on-field or off-field distractions anymore. And I, d- I told you I wouldn't be surprised if – Freaking, you know, Tampa Bay goes and gets this man. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, he definitely hasn't lived up to his first round hype and what he did at uh, LSU. So, um, you know, the the human side of me obviously hopes that he gets it turned around and maybe he can turn his career around. But you know, sometimes you just get what you uh, you get what you dish out, and I think he's been more trouble than he's been worth so far in Jacksonville. But you know. We'll see what happens in the future. But uh, the next headline that we had uh, was uh, also in the NFL, and it regards uh, it regards my team. And they, they made a big trade also with the Jacksonville Jaguars for Yannick Ngoku. I believe that's how you say it, his name. Ngaku. I could be wrong. Who knows? Uh, but they made a trade for him for a 2021 second-round draft pick and a 2022 a uh, conditional draft pick that could be anywhere between a third and maybe a fifth round pick. And, you know, just from the the Vikings side in me, that, uh, I mean, I see absolutely no downside to that. I mean, he's a he's only 25 years old. Um, I, I read a stat the other day that in his uh, first three years in uh, the Jaguars, he has 31 quarterback pressures coming off the edge. And, uh, you, know, he, you know, he can only probably get better from there. You line him up alongside of my guy Daniel Hunter, you know, who Everson Griffin. We, you know, we tried to sign him back, but you know, things happen with free agency, and he's a cowboy now. But you know, we found a replacement for him. So that's two dangerous, dangerous young guys coming off the edge for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, that I'm really, really excited to see in 2020. Uh, what did you think about the trade? Yeah, I actually thought, buddy, that you guys got one. I actually told you this morning. I thought it was a steal. Or yesterday mm-hmm. morning, I told you it was a steal because I like that. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, so I'm going to give you the A for doing that. But I'm like you, buddy, especially since you lost, like, Griffin, man, like having somebody now that you know can basically get to the quarterback that can help your offense uh, move the ball up and down the field. But, I mean, y'all's defense is probably, to me, probably at least top three in my opinion. Because I feel like you guys with Mike Zimmer as your head coaches, y'all are pretty locked down on defense. You've always been good. So I feel like now it'll make you a little like – I think it'll actually make your defense a little bit more – I don't know. I think you'll be a little bit better, buddy, if you want me to be honest with you. So I'll be anxious to see how that works out for y'all. 
uh, I was actually wanting Atlanta to get him for the longest time because I know he was wanting out of Jacksonville, basically begging people to come get him. So mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know what it is about Jacksonville, but I, apparently you don't want to go down there. <laughs> cough, cough, no. Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, but yeah, buddy, I'll be like, I think that's a really, really sneaky, good pick for y'all, especially in a division to where you basically have to sack the quarterback from Aaron Rodgers to, I mean, you can even throw Kirk Cousins, even though he's on Minnesota, but. Uh, I'm not going to mention that Tony Romo Jr. because we all know how we feel about him. But with Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, maybe a Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky, whichever one's going to play, I mean, that's going to come in handy for y'all. And we'll find out on next Sunday if that man can sack your favorite player of all time in Aaron Rodgers. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I'm really excited for football to get started. Don't don't get me wrong, but uh... – I'm also really excited to watch Minnesota's defense because, like I told you before we went on the air here, uh, Minnesota, uh, to me, and what I read on Twitter and all that stuff, they're, they're one of the few defenses that have got star players at each level. You've got this guy now teared up with um, Daniil Hunter on the front line. You've got Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks at, at linebacker. We know that they're no joke uh, and no scrubs. And then on the back end, we got Harrison Smith, and then we re-signed uh, Anthony Harris as well. Uh, at, at the defensive back position, the safeties. Um, but the only question mark to me with Minnesota's defense is the is the cornerbacks. They're young, they're rookies, uh, inexperienced, but they're going to get some experience quick, like you said, in week one going up against Aaron Rodgers. So uh, the defense sounds ready to me is Kirk Cousins, buddy. Get that offense ready because if you can get both of them clicking, I think we got a, I think we got a serious shot at making a deep run at this thing. Uh, when February comes around. But uh, our last headline of the day uh, goes to the NBA. And uh, last night in Game 6 of the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets uh, series, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell exchanged blows, exchanged back baskets there in the fourth quarter, uh, leading to an, a really exciting game, and it leads to an exciting uh, Game 7 matchup tomorrow night. But Jamal Murray went off for 50 points, while Donovan Mitchell himself went up uh, went off for 44 points despite the loss. Um, that it was just a really exciting game, and I'm really excited for Game Seven tomorrow. Did you did you get a chance to catch any of that action uh, last night? Nah, believe it or not, buddy, I actually didn't. But it makes me upset that I actually didn't get to watch it because the way you talked about it and the way I woke up to it all over Twitter and Facebook and from ESPN. Apparently, you just grabbed your popcorn, you watched those two. <laughs> One of them would go down there. Fire a three, make it. Other guy walks down the court and says, hey, anything you can do, I can do better, so watch this. Mm-hmm. So just imagine the game that, since you told me that you watched it, just imagine what this game seven is going to be like just between those two. I mean, who knows, buddy? They might even go off for not only 50 this time. They might even go off for 60. Mm-hmm. So, Everything, Everything's going to be on the line. Game seven, winner take all. You know they're not going to leave anything on the floor. And I I hate to say this, too, but you feel like Utah would honestly win that series. I mean, wouldn't you think, honestly, like I know Denver's got some good, solid players on there from Jamal Murray and to uh, – what's that center's name? Uh, Um, uh, Jokic. Jokic, yep. So, I mean, they've got some good pieces, but I thought maybe Donovan Mitchell with Rudy Gobert and those boys would kind of pull it out, but – 
like I said, like we talked about, buddy, it's the NBA. Anybody mm-hmm. can beat anybody. So, I mean, if you're wanting a good show, I mean, y'all grab your popcorn tomorrow because I can imagine uh, that one will be good. I'm pretty sure Boston and do, do them in Toronto play tomorrow too? Uh, I believe they might actually, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be – that's going to be a good one too, buddy. But, yeah, that game seven already in the first round, I'm like you. I'm going to have my popcorn ready, and I'm going to be ready to watch that show. Absolutely. You know, I'm never going to turn down a big game seven, especially in the NBA with uh, two young guys going at it. I mean, they're just not they're – not, they're not backing down from each other, that's for sure. I think they're really good friends off the court. I've seen them, you know, make, uh, make videos of each other in the bubble and all that good stuff. But uh, on the court, buddy, they're they're going at it and not uh, not holding anything back. So it's been fun to watch. But uh, let's jump into our main topic. This is what we wanted to get on here and discuss here tonight. And this is what me and you were really fully focused on this past weekend. Uh, so let's uh, let's dive right into it. The Coke Zero Four Hundred at Daytona was sun- Saturday night, and it was the final race of the regular season. Um, and our guy William Byron. Pulled it off uh, by winning his very first race of his Cup Series career, which automatically locked him into the playoffs, which start this weekend. Um, but it was a really exciting race from lap one to lap 160. Uh, I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. You know, uh, once I was at work and then once I was in the truck driving home, I was I was hauling mail to get home to watch those last 40 laps on the big screen because I was just I was all into it. Uh, it was it was. Definitely, it had a Game 7 tight feeling itself for a NASCAR race, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I hate to I hate to just bring this up, buddy, but I do believe by one old Willie B winning a race and Matty D making the playoffs, is, do, is, that, is that two Cokes? It's two it's, Cokes. Oh, I mean, I hate to just bring that up, buddy, because before we get jumped in here, I'll talk about it. Uh, after I'll let you kind of unleash first, but I'm not gonna lie, buddy. Your boy, I thought he's about to slip up there and grab him one. I'm not gonna lie. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm a I'm a man of my word. I'll give you two cokes next time I see you <laughs> for William Byron winning his first race before Bubba. But you know, since we're gonna jump into this topic, uh, you know, with uh, two laps to go, uh, somebody was taking the lead on the outside, and then all of a sudden, I just seen him get turned into because you know that's just the type of luck that we have, <coughs> Denny Hamlin. Joey Logano, wow. Go, just, uh, just go ahead. Let it just, out. I'll let you out. unleash, buddy. I want you to unleash. Go ahead. It's just, you know, I've been waiting now for a long time for the opportunity to maybe see that man get into victory lane in a cup, in a cup series race. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. I thought I was two laps away from it the other night because I thought he had it timed out right coming on the outside. Uh Nothing but asphalt in front of him, and all of a sudden he just gets turned into and uh, gets it taken away from him. But, you know, uh, top five, it turned it turned a bad situation into a good, you know, came down there with two laps to go and right before overtime, got us some got us some fresh tires, and we drove up there to fifth. Maybe if he had one more lap, you know, you never know what could have happened there. But uh, got us a top five, our first top five of the season. Um, so... We'll carry that momentum. We got ten more races to try to get some W's, maybe uh, at least some good more finishes for our new sponsors. We'll carry that going forward. That's all I got to say about that. I guess I'm not going to get too wrapped up in it. <laughs> well, I, I'm like you. I understand your frustration with uh, 
two of those drivers because those are the two drivers that I just can't stand in the NASCAR <laughs> Cup Series the most. So, yeah. But I'm going to just – I'm going to talk about the race in general. Now, the whole race, there was a couple of times. I mean, they all got single file, and I'm like, you, buddy, me and you both are clearly – on the same page when it comes to that. We cannot stand that type of racing. I hate it when they do that. It's It just bothers me, and I think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. But I'm not one of those guys that drives those cars at uh, 203 miles per hour like Austin Dillon ran the other night. But the whole race in general, I thought, was basically, buddy, everything that me and you talked about last week. Game 7 feels probably one of the best races I've watched in a long time. I even caught myself getting emotionally attached into it, even though my guy was locked into the race. But, yeah, we had a chance to win there at the end. We just didn't have no good, solid pushers behind us. But other than that, buddy, I will talk about some of these key factors into this race. I First of all, I the Ryan Newman interview talking about Tyler Reddick, that, that just cracked me up, buddy. <laughs> I, I've never – I've never seen a man like going from Ryan Newman and then talking to Kyle Bush. That was two of the best interviews. It was talking about a guy that, you know, had no talent and lost what he was doing to I'd steal 2020 and we suck. <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean, God, but Tyler, Tyler Reddick, buddy, we, we can be better than what we showed the other night causing that big one, because I understand you getting a huge run and getting a push from somebody. But honestly, when you're going into the middle of a turn and you know the high side's going to have momentum because Kyle Busch had, I think it was what, Eric Jones behind him, pushing him. Tyler Reddick and his spotter has got to, I understand you have to win the race. I understand basically you can't make it in on points. You have to make it happen. But you've got to have a little bit, buddy, and I, you can comment after this part too. You've got to have a little bit of common sense in that situation going into turn three and you just turn dead right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know what you thought about it, but I thought that was the most stupidest thing I've ever seen. So this is, this is what I took away from the incident. All right. Yes, it was a, uh, I thought it was a premature aggressive move. Now, if, if that's, if that's the last lap, the last two laps, or even maybe the third with three laps to go, I'm, I'm game for that yeah. move. Do but, it. um, you know, Tyler Reddick was in a situation kind of like we talked about before, like a Ricky Stenhouse, a Bubba Wallace, uh, Christopher Bell, the list goes on, of people who had to win. They had no chance to point themselves in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he was really aggressive, and, I mean, he got to the front, and he was bound and determined to stay there, and I think he was just an inch or two, you know, misjudgment. Stuff happens. Yes, I, I, I do agree it was a little bit early for a move like that, but – with the type of race that it was and the, and the feel and the electricity around the race, you know, I, I could also see, I could also understand the aggressiveness, you know, I I could Mm -hmm. see it. So I'm not going to fault him that much. The only thing I'm going (laughs) to, no, I enjoyed the the interviews just like you did. Right. But I'm also going to ask my friend Ryan Newman this. Now I understand Ryan Newman had a bad crash at Daytona, missed the four races, and all that stuff, and you know, prayers out to him. Glad he's doing all right. Glad his return to Daytona was safe. But uh, are we really going to get on national TV and say that somebody ran out of talent when, <laughs> unless we're at Daytona or Talladega, I don't even know that Ryan Newman's on the racetrack. 
Wow. Okay. So you know, I mean, I understand that you know. <laughs> wow! Shots fired. Brian Newman is twenty seventh in points. Buddy, he's a he's a roadblock every race. So I mean, you I, know, Ryan. I mean, Ryan Newman's been around a long time. He's got credibility. I mean, he's he's a good driver. He hasn't won a championship or anything. But you know, he's Ryan Newman is is he's not a scrub by any means. But you know, when we're talking about running out of talent. And, you know, every week I turn a race on, I see the sixth car between 25th and 35th. You know, I, I think we might need to watch what we say on live TV interviews. You know, I'm, that's just that's just my opinion. The you only know. time I'm like, the only time I see Ryan Newman on TV is whether or not he had a problem. He's wrecked mm-hmm. or honestly, he's going like a lap down or two laps down and he doesn't get out of the way. Yeah, because you know the only time I see Ryan Newman is when they go, Oh, there's Ryan Newman, the hardest man to pass getting lapped. You know, <laughs> I just, I don't I don't know. But you know, it's just my personal opinion. Nothing against Ryan Newman and you know, we were there in February and seen that horrific crash. Nothing no ill will against him, but you know, just I don't know if I'd say somebody's running out of talent when, you know, you can't finish in the top twenty five unless it's Daytona. But you know We'll just leave that at that. Um, but the 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 biggest storyline, other than William Byron locking himself into the race, to me was uh, you know Jimmy Johnson did not make the playoff for a second straight year. To me, this does not leave a bad imprint to, on Jimmy Johnson's legacy. Jimmy Johnson's legacy has been written in stone since he won that seventh championship, in my opinion. Now, now does now do I wish and think that he can make the playoffs in a Hendrick car? Yes. He's had uh, he has a little bit of excuse. I mean, he had he missed one race with the COVID uh, when he was diagnosed. And he had to miss one race until he was cleared of that. And then at Charlotte, his car was deemed disqualified. He didn't get any points for that race when he would have got place for second. So I mean, those two races right there really hurt his chances to make the playoffs. But does this change my opinion of Jimmy Johnson as a top three driver in NASCAR history? No. Is it going to be different again seeing Jimmy Johnson not race for a championship? Yes, but I think we're still just like I just said with about Bubba. He's got ten more races for his sponsors and that crew, Cliff Daniels, and uh, just to end his career full time to go out there and maybe get a win or two in these last ten races. What did you? Uh, what do you take away about Jimmy Johnson sitting the playoffs out uh, this year again? Uh, you hit it right on the head, buddy. It's, I mean, I hate it for him because personally. I've never really been a big Jimmy Johnson fan. He was probably actually from one point, buddy, from 2006 all the way up till 2000, at least 16. Like, buddy, I just could not stand Jimmy Johnson because, I mean, he just won basically everything that he touched. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, for him to – it sucks that he missed that race due to COVID-19, and I feel like that's probably one of the big factors as to why – uh, he ended up missing out on it. I mean, I wish they could have gave him maybe like Justin Allgaier's points or figured out some way that Jimmy got credit for that race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like you. I mean, you have to blame kind of his crew too. Buddy of Charlotte, I mean, that's nothing that Jimmy Johnson <clears throat> could have held, really. I mean, it's just that hurts you, man, when you get disqualified and you gain no points, especially finishing, like you said, second. I mean, that's that's what – like 35 points. 35 30. points uh, and, you know, I don't know if he had any stage points, but the, the way the race went, he was in the top 10, I think, all race. So I'm sure he did. 
have some stage points, and you know that's a big difference from second to basically finishing last with no points. So, uh, yeah, that was and, definitely a big factor as well in him missing out on the. And then, if you were if you remember too, buddy, he was leading coming to the uh, stage win at Darlington, and he wrecked. Yeah. Even though, even though I still blame it a little bit, kind of on Chris Busher, but yet you still probably have to put a little bit of blame on Jimmy too for being yeah. that aggressive. So it goes 50-50 both ways. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like you. I mean, Jimmy's had, for the majority part of the year, especially at the beginning, Hendrick was really good. And I remember him clicking off, like, top tens and top fives. And then he just got to the point by the end of summer where they Hendrick just kind of struggled, and he was around 13th to 17th, around where basically all the other Hendrick drivers were. So, mm-hmm. I mean – I, I, can he still win a race? Yeah. I mean, there's still good tracks. I mean, Darlington's coming up this weekend where, like I just said, he could have won that race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy's won at Bristol before. Uh, he's a really good road course racer. He's good at restrictor plates. Uh, Martinsville used to be Jimmy Johnson's house. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's still got – I don't think he has nothing to hang his like, hat on or anything. He's got seven – got seven championships he's got i think what 84 wins 85 86 somewhere around there i mean that's that's a good career just go out i think he'll go out with his head held high his sponsors will be proud of him so i mean just enjoy enjoy your last 10 races because i know a lot of these guys uh they don't try to think about it but buddy when that last race sneaks up on you buddy that's it and it just yep. hits you. So, I mean, I, if I was him, I don't get me wrong, I'd be upset that you didn't make it. But, I mean, all you can do is just go out there. Since the playoffs is over now, do stuff that you normally wouldn't do to try to get points. Go out there, try to win it on fuel mileage. Try to win it maybe on a tire strategy or something like that. But it was good. It was good while it lasted for Jimmy. So, these final 10 weeks, I think he'll kind of try to slow it down and enjoy his last few uh, races that he's got left in him. Yeah, you you definitely hit that spot that I was going to lead into next is because, you know, the the pressure of making the playoffs is, is now off his shoulders. He's, he's out. He's got really nothing to lose in these next 10 races. He can just let it hang out and, and, and just go for the win, you know. Uh, when, you're, when you're battling for those playoff spots, you got to be careful. Try to get – Try to get those stage points. Try to be careful and make sure you don't tear things up. But uh, when that pressure's off, I mean, he he the pressure's been lifted. I guess is what I'm saying now. So he can just let it rip and and try his best in these last ten races to try and get him one. But uh, we'll see. And I I ho- I, I personally hope that he gets at least one more win to send him off into the sunset, kind of like Jeff Gordon did uh, back in 2015. So. Uh, uh, but no, but our last uh, thing that I wanted to talk to you about the race um, was the the playoffs do start this weekend. The next three races are round one, so I wanted to get our picks for who you think the first four drivers will be to get eliminated in round one. Now, just to preface this, round one is Darlington. Week two would be Richmond, and week three will be the race we will be in attendance for. Michael McDowell. I will be there at Bristol <laughs> Motor Speedway. So just uh, in no particular order or anything like that, uh, who do you have being the first four cars eliminated from the NASCAR playoffs? Alrighty. So 
Darlington is first, so mm-hmm. I will go ahead and give. I'll give you a winner, and then I'll give you my uh, people that I think are going to struggle each round, or just this round right here. Uh, technically, this weekend, buddy, I think this is going to be a, reden- a redemption race for Chase. If you want me to be just straight up honest with you, because the last time we went down there, we got the hooked, famous bird. We, we got hooked <laughs> to left. Clyde is shooting the bird. So, <laughs> buddy, I feel like. Chase is going to go down there with something on his shoulders because he knows he should have won that race last time, and that shouldn't be one of the six wins, Mr. Hamlin, that you have. So I think Chase will win the race. Now, this round in general, I think, buddy, this is probably the one of the most intriguing rounds there is because Darlington's never been a playoff race, mm-hmm. and neither has the world's fastest half mile that we're going to be at. And you know, Richmond's not been a playoff race either because it's usually the last race of the regular season. Yep. So you got to add those two in there because, buddy, we know how that night race at Bristol is. The last couple of years, we've had big ones within the first ten laps that could Mm -hmm. take that could take people out. So one of the people I think that's not going to make it is Cole Custer. Now, don't get me wrong, as a rookie. He's had, a, I would say, probably a decent year. I know he got that win at Kentucky. But honestly, to me, he hasn't really ran like he honestly should, in my opinion, uh, in a Stuart Haas car, even though he's uh, in good equipment. But, yet he's still a rookie, so he's still got a lot to learn. But I feel like he's going to be one of them that doesn't make the cut. Another one, I think, is going to be Austin Dillon. To me, he just hasn't really shown me a lot. I mean, he's had top 10 runs here and there, and he got that one win at Texas. So, I mean, and he won that one basically on fuel strategy and pitch strategy. So, I don't feel like that one is going to make it. Now, this is where it gets tricky to me. Part of me, buddy, you're going to call me crazy right now to be honest with you, buddy, parts of me wants to eliminate Kyle Bush, but I'm not going to do it. I only say that because Kyle Bush is not ran like Kyle Bush. I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about this year. Basically, he hit the uh, nail on the head and basically said it's 2020, and he's just ready for this year to be over. Buddy, I think one of the guys that I'm actually going to eliminate is going to be Kurt Busch, and i tell you why. Every year, Kurt Busch, even if he's got a win, buddy, what round does he always get eliminated at? Yes, round. Yeah, he, yeah, first round. So I have no confidence in him. And by the way, the Chip Ganassi cars have ran. I mean, I know the thing with Kyle Larson is a thing in the past now, and that doesn't need to be brought up anymore, but – Matt Kenseth, when he got in the car, hasn't really ran great. Kurt Busch's car, I mean, he's had top tens, buddy, but the majority of the time you find him in, like, the, what, 11th to 15th range? Yeah, like he's he's had decent cars, but he's never been up there going, hey, look, there's Kurt Busch battling for a top five, or, hey, there's Kurt Busch battling for a win. He's not – no, he's not there. Exactly. And then my last, my last one, buddy – I don't know if I want to put Clint Boyer out, and I hate to even say this, or if I want to put Matt DiBenedetto out. Mm-hmm. Parts of me 
wants to believe that Matt Benedetto had he's really great at Bristol. He's really good at uh he ran pretty good, I think, this year at Darlington. I think he was running top ten, had some bad strategy at the end. Well, honestly, it's going to be between him and Boyer, in my opinion, because I feel like William Byron winning will give him a little bit of momentum going forward. I would say Bowman could be on the cutoff because I don't think he's really ran impressive. If you want me to be honest with you, he could be one of them that gets bounced out. Because I feel like your locks and going in will obviously be like Harvick and Hamlin. Those are the only two that's got a huge freaking margin above everybody else. But honestly, I think I'm going to go with Boyer because I feel like Matty D at Bristol will have one of these runs to where I think it'll kind of be like his Daytona and he's going to get in by a couple of points. So my first four out will be Cole Custer, Austin Dillon, Clint Boyer, and Kurt Busch. Sounds – well, that sounds all right. Um you match three of mine, actually. Um, I have written down here, and I'll go into detail for mine. Um, but I'll start off with uh, kind of piggybacking off your Matt DiBenedetto, um topic there. I actually have Matt Benedetto making it past round one. Okay. And this is uh, – Matt Benedetto at Bristol is a sleeper. Now, am I going to pick Matt Benedetto to win? Uh, maybe not. Because when we were down there in uh, July, Matt Benedetto, yes, he met, he raced his way in from the Open, but once he got into the All-Star race, he was not competitive as I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hesitant on maybe picking him to win. But out of the tracks, you've got two short tracks and Darlington. Darlington is a very good track for Matt Benedetto. So he is my sleeper in round one that I do have making uh, it into round two. Now, my four eliminated, I do have uh, Cole Custer. Uh, Austin Dillon and Clint Boyer, but I also do have, despite the Cinderella walk-off, I do have Matt, uh, not Matt, uh, William Byron, uh, getting eliminated in round one because William Byron, to me, uh, other than this restricted plate race, uh, last weekend is still just riding around most races in the fifteenth to twenty twenty-fifth range every week, and you are not going to be able to to do that in the in the playoffs and make it to the next round. You know, I know he's got Chad Nels on the box and Chad Nels is a seven-time champion, but that team has not showed the consistency on these intermediate to short tracks that they can run in the top ten with these guys that are they're going to be fighting in the playoffs. Because, I mean, you and I agree that the that the wins by Cole Custer and Austin Dillon, yeah, they were they were wins and they locked themselves in, but they're not going to be. They're not going to race their way into the next round because they're just they're they're just not going to, uh, despite a, a miracle win just like they had in the regular season. But the, I don't see William Byron getting up there and beating guys like uh, a Kyle Busch or a Kurt Busch, especially both those guys at Bristol. Uh, we know the history that they have at the at Bristol Richmond. Uh, you know they both won at Darlington as well. I just don't see it. I could be wrong, but, you know, that's uh, the only difference I have between yours and mine is I do have William Byron getting bounced out in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, you, you make a solid point about it because, I mean, it's just, to me, 
the only Hendrick car that has been consistent out of all of them to me is obviously the nine car. Mm-hmm. And see, on that point, I almost it, – it was a borderline pick for me between a Clint Boyer and Alex Bowman because uh, Clint Boyer has shown a little bit of consistency in some races, and Alex Bowman has fell off hard since yes. his straight at the beginning. Like, he has not been – I don't really remember them talking much about Alex Bowman in a, in a long time on the, on the TV. And, you know, I know my dad's a fan of his, but – it's just I'm not impressed with the way that 88's been running the past two months. Like, they're just not up to par with everybody. They they might finish in the top ten here and there, but that's just not going to be good enough to get you through the playoffs. So I went heads or tails with uh, the 88 and the 14 and, you know, with the bonus points of winning a couple stages and winning that race uh, at California. I think those bonus points might help Alex Bowman against a Clint Boyer, but – it was really close for me to, to pick the 88 uh, to be bounced out as well. So that, just like you said, those Hendrick cars, they they started off strong. But, you know, other than the nine car running in the top ten, I, I don't have much confidence in them making it past round one and definitely not past round two. And I'm, and I'm like you, especially from William Byron's. I mean, I know he won this past weekend, but Buddy at Dover, besides that second race where he came back strong, Buddy, that first race – you cannot, you cannot, and I stress this enough, you cannot have a run like he did at that first over. And that's for anybody. I don't care who it is, from whether it's Joey Logano, whether it's Chase Elliott, whether it's William Byron or Ryan Blaney. I mean, you cannot have one of these runs to where you have a horrible day like that. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a Logano or a Chase, you can – probably have only one of those just because where they've won multiple races and have stage points and wins. But if you're a guy like a Cole Custer and a William Byron, if you're, if you're back there in 25th, you're done for, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. And you've basically dug yourself a hole to where you almost have to win to move on to the next round. And I don't, I don't think I can stress enough of how important this is probably one of the most, first round important three races that I've ever seen honestly buddy in a long time since they've done this format because Darlington I mean yeah it's a mile and a half and I think basically typically some of your normal guys will be up there now I know some a lot of people sometimes too like to say that during the whole summer stretch some of these guys that have multiple race wins they test and find out what they can be better on when they come back to mm-hmm. tracks like this and when you get into the playoff you bring out your new cars and your new engines and your new chassis but i'm telling you buddy i don't know about you but and i'll i'll leave i'll ask you a question and then i'll kind of see how you answer it which race do you think is going to actually be more important the richmond one or the bristol one that's the cutoff Um, well, I, obviously I think the most important one is going to be the Bristol one because it is the last, it's going to have like that kind of Daytona feel where it's, uh, you you know, if you're, if you're behind in points, you got to get it done. So they're going to try things that maybe you wouldn't normally try. So I think probably the Bristol one would be both important, but uh, I mean, there Richmond is going to be a, is, is going to be important test too, because it's a short track. 
it's not built the same as Bristol. You drive it completely differently, but it could be a good setup test for, hey, you know, our short track package might need to be a little bit better next weekend than it was this weekend or mm-hmm. something like that. So I'll tell you what's a big factor in to it, buddy. Richmond, if you remember, it got postponed in the We spring. haven't raced there yet. Yeah. Uh, how big of a curveball that's going to be. And I'm not going to be shy from it, buddy. Chase sucks at Richmond. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not looking forward to that race, if you want me to be honest with you. Now, can he – have we had setups before in the past to where I've seen, like, Chase last year at that playoff race ran top five the entire race? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want one of those. But then I'm like you, buddy. It could be like a Martinsville. If you remember their first track, even though they're two completely different, but just for instance, you could just start off so horribly bad that you get laughed in the first 30. Yeah, if you don't have it dialed in and, and you're way off and you miss your air pressures or your or your balance or your alignments or anything, you know, those those laps at those types of tracks, they're over in, in twenty to twenty five seconds. And I mean oh, you don't yeah. even want to go there, Bristol fifteen. So I mean if you miss those, you are in deep trouble. And I I actually agree with you on the lap times. I cannot stress enough too, now that you mentioned that, buddy, these starting positions are gonna be even more important especially mm-hmm. with how you run the entire race because if you and, have a bad week at darlington and you start about 25th at richmond you better watch out it's going to be exciting too because this weekend right here is the first race and you know you know even though it is the first race of the playoffs the starting lineup was still determined by the race in daytona look at all the guys that were caught up in incidents and and may not have the fastest laps because you know based on the draft Anybody could have had the fastest lap um, throughout the race. So there might be some playoff guys coming from, you know, mid-20s coming Saturday or Sunday night. And it's going to be it's going to be wild because, you know, those those big wrecks, you got to think about uh, Joey Logano finishing back in the in the 30s um who mm-hmm. else was in the uh, playoffs that had kyle, bad problems kyle bush, kyle bush kurt um, bush. bush yeah uh, those guys are going to be starting from the back they're going to be they're going to be in your 20s to maybe even 30s depending on how their lap times uh set up against these other guys that and and so they're going to have to you know darlington's not very wide you're going to have to be patient and and picking choose when you make a move. So it's going to be fun to watch those guys come from mid-pack all the way to the front as well. Yeah, I agree. With I was actually trying to see real quick because I know sometimes they actually release the starting lineups on Monday sometimes. I was actually trying to see if they – I believe uh, I believe they come out – I believe it comes out on Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, okay. It, I could be mistaken, but I think it comes out on Wednesdays. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll definitely be looking for that this week. But, yeah, buddy, I mean, I'm like you. You hit it right there. I mean – your Corey LaJoy's can be starting ahead of these guys. And on a track like Darlington where it's already hard enough to pass by running up against the wall and cutting down to make kind of dime in the corner, I mean, that's that's going to be tough, buddy. And now with it being playoff time, these guys are going to be amped up. And then you've got your guys in an upcoming show. We'll probably discuss, too, about your silly season to where some of these guys, man, this might be the last 10 races to where they can show somebody that's got an open slot to where, hey, I know how to drive, I know how yeah. to win, I know how to run good. Watch this. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be wild and interesting, buddy. So, it's, yeah, because I mean, when you mentioned silly season, I mean, I think we both agree that you know, Bubba's not a matter of if; it's a matter of where he's got to mm-hmm. decide where. But you you got guys like uh, Eric Jones, 
who are, are driving for a job. You got dry, guys like uh, Corey LaJoy driving for a job. You know, I know he drives in an underfunded per, uh, team, and it's not going to be up there battling for wins or even top 15s, but he's got to get the most out of that car and be like, yo, I, I, I need a ride for next year, whether it be uh, a cup ride or even dropping down to a full-time Xfinity ride. He's going to be looking for a ride uh, as well with uh, with uh, this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm missing – is there somebody else that's a big free agent that hadn't landed anywhere uh, yet? Well, I, I, saw, I was going to say like a Clint Boyer, but some – Clint Boyer, Greg, that's the one, yeah. Greg Zipidelli came out and said today that he didn't expect Stuart Haas to change driver lineups. So, I mean, how – who knows how technically yeah. true that is because I just cannot see – Chase Briscoe not being put in one of those Stuart Haas racing cars, dude. Yeah. And I you, do never not. Know, you never know also with uh, the Kyle Larson. I uh, there's a lot of rumors spilling around him as well uh, that could lead into 20, uh, 2021. So it's going to be exciting so, for sure. But uh, I'm going to – before we sign off and uh, call it a night here, you, you made your pick for Darlington, so I'll throw my pick out there. I'm going to go out way on a limb. You could call me crazy for this pick, uh, but I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I would call you. I would call you crazy, but I don't really necessarily like blame you for that pick. But hopefully, like I said, hopefully, my guy, it's time. It's go time now, buddy. It's pedal to the metal. It's no mistakes. It's time to show basically everybody what you've got. And I want to see the nine car like it was at the beginning of the year, to where he was out running Kevin Harvick at one point during time. So. Yep. Your Kevin Harvick pick is smart. I don't necessarily blame you, but old Clyde's going to be going down there into turn one. And he's going to say, ah, that's where I should have been doing donuts instead of flipping off, you know, Kyle Busch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for it to start. You know, I'm sure we'll get on here next week and give our reactions to what we've seen and see if we got any plans or changes to our uh, First four eliminated. You never know. One of those four guys that we picked might just go up there and steal him a win, and we'll have to, you know, I scratch that. Shows you how much I know, right? <laughs> uh, hey, pretty much. I mean, as long as long as the nine has a ticket punch to the next round, anybody can win because I could I could just care less. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree with you, buddy. Some of these guys that we didn't even mention, like a Logano, could have three bad races to where he wrecks and he gets know. put out. So that's what. That's what makes this so fun. You know, you could have the greatest regular season uh, that you can imagine. And just like the NFL, NBA, NBA MLB, you got to put it together in the postseason. You know, uh, it's like they said, uh, the big, the famous comparison is, you know, the 18-0 and Patriots did not win the championship. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That's, that is true. And one more thing. Once again, like we mentioned last week, Bud, buddy. It's time to pick a new driver because he, <laughs> he he caused another big one and he had a bunch of bad blocks last race. I mean, we buddy, we got to get better yeah. than that. And it's it, you're running out. We're running out of patience with your driver, bud. I think it's time <laughs> to get a new one. I can, like I said last week. Now Minnesota's going to be playing next Sunday, and Clemson and Georgia will be playing here at the end of the month. So we're excited about that. But NASCAR, we can do better. Yeah, we 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 can get rid of the we can get rid of that uh, shell pencil stuff. We can we can get a new one for <laughs> sure. And uh, but uh, you know, we're one or after this week, you know, when we get on here and talk again, we will be one week closer to us going down to Bristol. Like I said, Michael McDowell, I will be there. I haven't <laughs> forgotten. I got an elephant's memory, buddy. <laughs> I will be there. I will be there on the backstretch, row eighteen, Bubba Wallace shirt, hat, 
socks, sunglasses, it doesn't matter. <laughs> waiting for you to come around for that first turn. Mm-hmm. I'll be there, buddy. I will you, be waiting. He, I he, haven't he, forgot. <laughs> I he, haven't forgot. Sadly, he will probably get cheers, and your boy, like last time, will just get booed so bad. So, but I mean, people can just, boo. All, they can boo all they want to. I'm going to be the one cheering, and that's all it, that matters. I, and I'm like you, buddy. I'm going to be searching for the guy that tried to tell me that the All Star race doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and what is Chase won? Well, technically, buddy, he's won three races this year. I mean, even though it is All Star to exhibition, but that is three more wins than Clint Boyer, and he is seated <laughs> higher than Clint Boyer to whoever that moron was. But I'm like you. I will be there. And I will be watching that number nine win a points race at Bristol because it's time. It's been more. It's it's been time. It's so, way overdue. Well, see, that's that's two for two. You're you're calling the chase is going to win. You just might as well. Are you calling a sweep. You think he's going to win Richmond too? No, not. Uh, I'm not very confident about that one. But I will. <laughs> I will go ahead and say this: when they do go to the next round, and if Chase makes it, and when they get to the Roval, it's a done. Go ahead, book. Line, sink it, buddy. I ain't, yeah, I'm not gonna argue with uh, with you on that one. Man. It'll be uh, it'll be a true X and Chase Elliott show, and it'll be Chase winning. Yes, yeah, it's, it's gonna be Chase, true X, and then it doesn't even matter. So uh, pre- yeah, pretty much. The next <laughs> one, the next one will probably be like a like a Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> yeah, back air twelve seconds behind, but a uh, good show tonight, my man. Uh, look forward to talking to you next time, as always. Uh, I'm sure next time we'll like we said we'll dive into our. Uh, uh, our reactions for uh, the first race at Darlington. We're gonna have more. Um, we're gonna have more NBA stuff to talk about as round two gets going in full speed here. Um, and then we'll also we'll be one week away from some college football and some NFL too. So we'll definitely be ready to dive into that. Oh yes, sir, buddy. I'm ready. Everybody, turn on this weekend to the race. Six o'clock Sunday night. Throwback weekend. Always a pretty cool weekend if nobody's ever watched. Uh, NASCAR, if they just recently got into it because of our show. A lot of good throwback schemes coming up this weekend. A lot of good racing. And I'm like you, buddy. One step closer to being at Bristol. One step closer until my Atlanta Falcons take on that Super Bowl, hopefully, run and NFC Championship. So, And another week after that until my dogs start to show everybody why we're going to win the National Championship this year. So... Mike, you, buddy, I'm excited. We got some good things coming up on the show. Absolutely. But uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. And I'll pay, I'll pay homage to our guy from Tazewell High School, as I say, from this time until next time. We'll see you when we get back on here next week. Peace out, y'all. See you.